really great to see you. Glad you're here this morning. And uh, just encourage you. Let's take just a moment and just turn and be an encouragement to the people right there in your five-foot circle or so. And welcome to everybody joining us online. It was great to interact with a few of you this last week. Doug and Susan and Megan from Tulsa, uh, Destiny Table, New York, uh, Aubrey and Jordan from Lawton, uh, glad to have you guys with us. Ron and Ricky from Washington, D.C., or rather Virginia, uh, great to have you all and so good to hear from you this week. I would encourage those of you online with us, reach out and interact with us some this week. We'd love to hear from you. We're believing for God to do a great work in all of our hearts and lives. Amen and amen. Is the season. Jesus is alive. So much to be grateful for. Um, I encourage you, we're really working to um, just explore um, just the deeper treasures of what it really means to walk with God. How many of you know we live in a day where in many ways the church has become more about surface than it is about substance? I don't know if you know, but like the world doesn't hate Jesus and they don't have a problem with him. It's the Christ followers who don't resemble him that seems to be the problem in the world today. And the Lord is really wanting to deal with that. And so uh, I've uh, on many occasions stood up here and said this to you and I'll say it to you again today. I repent (laughs) for uh, times of leading the church in a way that we were trying to build something on his behalf. Jesus really claims the only right to build the church and he does that in you and he does that in me. And so we want to invite him to have his way. We just won't talk about him as if he's not here ever again. We'll never do work for him as if he's not the one that does the work ever again. And we have a deep, deep conviction about that. And so we as Christians should characterize the very heart and nature of Christ. I'm so glad we're all on a journey just trying to find our way. How many of you know God is helping every single one of us on that journey? And uh, we want to grow deeper in him. And so I encourage you, um, I mentioned it last week, but, you know, we have journal Bibles in the, in the lobby. And I heard Tracy, my wife, ordering those, uh, paying $40 a Bible, and then we're selling them out there for 25 And we're trying to do that just to get an old-fashioned Bible in the hands of the people. Uh, and so I would encourage you, would you help me, and let's bring our Bibles uh, just as we come together and worship, let's bring the old-fashioned kind. I, I talk from my phone, you'll see, and you know, I'm not against the digital world. But we believe in something here that's the practice of getting into the Word, and we're doing it in such a way that we believe one day it's going to impact generations beyond our lives. And what we do is we just get an old-fashioned Bible, and we start in the book of Genesis. And every day we write the day at the top of the page. You might write a little prayer. This morning my prayer was, Lord, would you awaken our hearts to the greater realities of God? That was just the prayer. I just wrote in a little margin out to the side. And the date's there. Anything that's happening during that time, happy anniversary, Tracy, happy birthday to the girls, or whatever it may be, uh, on a trip, vacation. Just a little jot here and there. And what you do is you just read through your Bible every day. You turn one page. You can do that. Everybody, just the next day, you just do this. Isn't that amazing? You just turn the page. So it's the turn the page challenge. And uh, you start out in the book of Genesis. And, and there are so many people in our church that have never read the Bible through. 
And it really hit me as we started helping our girls at a young age, they were about 12, to pick up this practice where they would know their God, not my God. They would read their Bible, not hear me talk about my Bible, and just gave them the idea of every day turning the page. And you know what they did at the age of 12? They actually went all the way through the Bible because there's a succession and a progression that's so simple, everybody can read, you know, one page turn a day. I'm emphasizing that today because we want to talk just a little bit about that. But uh, I've had so many people come to me and say, you know, they're up in years and been in church all their life and they've never read their Bible until they got hold of this concept. And not only is it beautiful for that reason, but it's beautiful for the reason that you will actually, once you conclude this and you might go through a Bible twice before you go to the next Bible because I'm learning now 15 or so years into this, you go through Bibles about every two and a half, three years if you do that. Uh, and so, um, but those become heirlooms and treasures. I mean, I want you to think for just a moment. If you had a Bible in your hands, and I, I wish I did. If you had a Bible in your hand that had been held and read and prayed and journaled from somebody four generations before you, a great, great, great grandparent that you never got a chance to meet, but you were holding the expression of their faith in your hand. How many know you'd be holding a treasure? And you may not have been given that, but the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is he's a father to the fatherless. And even though you might not have been given something, you actually have the capacity to give it to the generation after you if you'll pay attention to him. And so I just encourage you in that regard. Uh, you'll, you'll get into Genesis and it'll be you know, readable. Exodus will be readable. Then you get into a few of those books, Leviticus and Numbers, and it's kind of interesting reading those. And it's not always you know, logical. But, but I, I say it often. I want to reiterate it once again. We're not a human being having a spiritual experience. We're a spiritual being having a human experience. And so just because your mind doesn't understand doesn't mean you're not digesting something as you will get with the author, not just read the book. Sit with him, read things you might not understand, and just ask the Lord, would you just reveal to me, Lord, what you're desiring to say? He is with us. He's with us. We should be living our lives as if he were with us because he is with us. And so in this uh, month of December, we're going to just press into a focus of what it means to cultivate an awareness of the nearness of God. It'll change the way your world is sculpted around you if you'll pay attention to what he is doing in those moments in time. So we're, we're looking forward to, and let me just make sure everybody understands, um, Christmas Eve, we are going to do an a late afternoon service, and that way, hopefully, if you do Christmas Eve lunch or Christmas Eve dinner, we can catch you between those, uh, and it's just going to be, a, that'll be our, our ministry time that weekend, our service gathering. What time does that start? Four o'clock. You think I didn't know. I know. Four o'clock. Of course I know. I know everything around here, right? I know a few things around here. <laughs> So 4 o'clock on that Christmas Eve, uh, it'll be a great time of just celebrating the Lord together. So if you have family in town or whatever, just bring them along and <clears throat> it'll be a terrific time of just pressing into him. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to have a really special time for those who serve in our church family. And this Wednesday night, um, we're going to celebrate you and say thank you. And we have something really um, remarkable planned and I'm very excited about it. I'm just stirred so deeply about what the Lord is doing right now. So uh, if you've not registered for that, please get that done so that we can celebrate you. And we'll also welcome our new church family members into the house uh, on Wednesday night. Our elders are going to lay hands on them and commission them. And I bring that all up to say 
Again, we want to do things on a deeper, more meaningful level and not just settle for the shallow when God's called us to awaken substance. So Paul told Timothy, fan into flame those gifts that are in you. How? By the laying on of my hands. How many of you know, uh, if we'll focus in on what God's desiring to do, even in our moments in time together right now, we won't be about information as much as we'll be about impartation. And we do live in a day where the church has largely become a bunch of TED Talks with a bit of humor just to keep everybody attracted so we all keep coming back. And, uh, and we're, we're pretty hard on this, aren't we? I mean, we're really railing against this pretty hard. In fact, we're working with a number of pastors now, and there's just this shift happening uh, where pastors, by and large, are starting to move in this direction where they are functioning more from a deep sense of conviction about what God's called us to do. I, I think what's about to happen is the church is going to start to look a little more like Jesus than it ever has. Can I get an amen? I believe it's coming. So what we're going to do today is just start into this journey of uh, cultivating a deeper awareness of the nearness of God and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. So if you'll turn there in your Bibles. And then we're going to read from Matthew 28. The beginning and the end of this book. And there's something remarkably aligning to these two conversations. And I want you to pay close attention. I'll help bring some emphasis to it as I'm reading. But Lord, we just ask that we wouldn't even read your word as if you're not here. <laughs> but we'd read your word in a way that, that is, has an understanding that the public reading of Scripture has been something that's happened from New Testament times that released something powerful in every community it was ever read. And so I pray you would deepen our awareness, Lord, of what you're desiring to do, even through uh, the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, say it with me, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people from their sins. Can I get an amen in this place? Jesus came to save us from our sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, here it is, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. And now what I want to do is just turn to Matthew chapter 28. And it is interesting, the alignment of the beginning of Christ, of the beginning of uh, his coming to the earth, and then the way uh, he concludes with this commissioning assignment using those same words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, here it is, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Emmanuel, the Lord has come, the Lord is with us. Go, be commissioned to fulfill the assignment of God. I am with you. Do you think this might be an important part of the way we should learn to live our lives? I, I just want you to understand the Great Commission. How many of you want to fulfill the Great Commission? Like, I, I'm gonna, I want to ask for a show of hands. How many of you want to fulfill the Great Commission? Have you ever even thought about what it means for you to fulfill the Great Commission? Oh, yeah, I'll fulfill the Great Commission. I go to that church. You know, we do some wonderful things as a church. We're impacting a number of different expressions of ministry by our involvement, and that's a wonderful thing, and we get to do that together as a family. But I just want you to understand, there is an element of the Great Commission that you're going to have to answer to God for that's not institutional, but it is individual. And as your pastor, I, I want to take responsibility to commission you to understand that and to walk that out in a, in a way that is uh, responsible before the Lord your God. And so the Great Commission involves, Jesus says, go, this is the Great Commission, I am with you. The Great Commission involves learning to walk in God's presence as you develop an awareness of the nearness of God as your way of life. He doesn't just say, go get them. He says, I am with you. Have you noticed in the, in the Bible where Jesus commissions the disciples to be fishers of men? This is what he says. Uh, he doesn't say, I want you to go fishing. He says what? Come to me and I will make you fishers of men. What's the first order? Drawing near to him, coming into a greater awareness of his presence, learning to walk with this awareness of the nearness of God as our way. This is an important part of the Great Commission, and you and I should explore what this means as believers in our everyday life of just growing in a deeper understanding of the presence of God. We've actually been talking about this a lot, and we're going to continue practicing the presence of God. Pastor A.T. brought uh, uh, one of the training for the destiny table and, and what that looks looks like and and I uh, by the way I, I now uh, greet our online family when you all are greeting each other so you don't hear me mention the destiny table in New York uh, very often but it's really great to have our destiny table family there in New York and we have two other potential families emerging that would begin to join us as the table online we're just praying and asking the Lord for timing and all of what he's doing with no desire to to rush in ambition to accomplish something but what is the Lord doing? We just want to cooperate with that. But I do just want to say in front of our church family here, welcome to our Destiny Table family in New York. And why don't we as a family here just say we're really glad to be connected, glad to have you all with us. And what we're trying to do out of even some of this training to teach people how to um, in, encourage people, not that we've got this figured out when I say teach, you know, it's just an element of we're coming together and asking the Lord for help and understanding. But one of the things Pastor A.T. said, it just hit me. I was sitting there listening as he said, uh, follow 
favor. It was a pretty simple statement, just learning to follow favor. In a conversation with somebody, you sense favor, just follow that favor. And as he said it, I just thought, oh, there's just something deep, rich, something emerging here. I I discerned it. I began to pray into it. We started then uh, walking that out in terms of what that really looks like, following favor, watching for grace when God graces a moment in a relationship with a coworker, a neighbor, a, a brief interaction with somebody who is, and I'm going to use this, um, this word almost shamefully uh, on purpose, but somebody who seems very insignificant. I, I've just been reading in my turn the page in the book of Matthew. I happen to be there in going through this particular translation of Scripture. And, uh, and there's this clear conversation that, that Jesus is having about when you do for the least of these, you've done for me. So would you just pay attention to a moment in time where the grace of God rests on a moment and that's the Lord. Sometimes his presence just shows up and like we just race on past it. I'm trying to pay attention to it now as I'm speaking. Many times I'll be speaking and then I'll just all of a sudden stop because I feel like I'm getting lost in information. I've kind of lost sight of what the Lord may be doing. And it's so healthy just to pause for a moment and just regroup. And just say, Lord, I just want to cooperate. Just like Jesus, I, I, I want to learn that more. I only want to do what I see the Father doing. I've got to keep my focus there. And we have to learn to live our lives that way. And you're in a conversation with somebody, a passing conversation, you just sense the presence of God. You just feel that sense. Again, he's not just with us. He's within us. And he, he kind of wakes a moment of conversation and interaction. That's the Holy Spirit leading you to pay attention and lean into that conversation just a little bit more because God might be doing something in that moment in that person's life. So we watch for grace, pay attention to the presence of the Lord, follow that favor. That, that not only happens relationally with others, it happens when you're in your devotion time in the morning. This is where we practice this. We sacrificially practice the presence of God in places of prayer, fasting and prayer. What a novel thought that we would actually go without food in the physical because we're so hungry for the food in the spiritual. But that's a normal Christian practice. That's a normal biblical practice. Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, not if you fast or if you pray. And we need to learn to press into these practices of solitude and the pursuit of God to awaken things within our own heart. I hear the voice of the Lord loud in this statement right now. We must pay attention to what the Lord is desiring to do to awaken those things within us. So we're continuing to practice this and learn more about what it is. And um, what happens is we then learn to be deeply gracious and highly relational to the world around us, to the people in the world around us. People start to see us as deeply relational, very gracious, because we're just sensitive and paying attention to a moment in time. I, I, it, you just, how many times have you ever had somebody just call you up, send you a text, talk to you, say, hey, you were on my mind, and in that moment of time that you were on their mind, you then said something to this effect. You have no idea how much I needed that. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you saying that to someone else? God is so at work, and he rarely gets the credit for all the stuff he's constantly doing in our midst. But that's the Lord so many times, and, and, and he's going to teach us to be more aware of just how he interacts through us and with us in that regard as we walk it out. I believe we have, walked, we have come into a very strategic season of the church, and God is awakening the deeper things within us. And I, I just want to point out a few things. I just want to take some time with this today. And just again, just be sensitive to him. But there's some pretty cool stuff I'm going to share with you, exciting things 
uh, that we see the Lord doing right now. But I want to do it this way. Um, this text we're reading in the book of Matthew, you, you understand when you're reading your Bible and you're in turn the page and one day you're in Malachi and the next day you're in Matthew, that's not the way it worked. Uh, it wasn't a day-to-day -day thing. There was what uh, would be commonly known as the 400 years of silence in the conclusion of Micah to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew. And in that 400 years of silence, what we see is God didn't send any new prophets. He didn't give Israel any new direction. And it's 400 years of silence, like quiet. This is what everybody heard. This, they were listening for God, and this is what they would hear. Nothing. Four centuries of silence. And then it's like all of a sudden God gets in this strategically conversational mood. Have you ever thought of it like this? Because I never have until I was praying into the morning. And I just realized like there's this robust interaction suddenly coming from God after nothing, 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 nothing. Pow! Conversation starts to just break forth in every direction. God starts to have a conversation with Mary. This is a big deal. All of a sudden, silence is broken. God has a conversation with Joseph. He tells Joseph, it's what we were reading just a little while ago. Uh, this is really of God. Don't, don't put her away in divorce. I mean, like, this is God having a conversation with Joseph. God begins to speak to the wise men. God uh, speaks to the shepherds. Interestingly enough, the wise men come, and when they're visiting Jesus, God speaks to them again and tells them, be careful of Herod. God speaks to Joseph again. Are you hearing the essence of what I'm saying? God speaks again. God speaks again. God speaks again. God speaks again to Joseph. And he says, danger, danger. Will Robinson is what the original uh, text actually says, if you are familiar with that. Uh, danger, danger. It's time to go. And so they run off to Egypt, and they're now in Egypt. And then God speaks again to Joseph and says, okay, it's safe to go back. God's speaking through John the Baptist. The prophetic mantle is awakened in the earth once again after no prophet speaking. And now all of a sudden, John the Baptist is declaring, prepare you the way. And the Holy Spirit is about to break out as Jesus is going to be crucified. And after Jesus is risen from the grave, that prophetic mantle will come upon the entire body of Christ. And in every community, when Jesus would walk into that community, the devil would shake and quake and fear what was about to happen as the kingdom of God would be breaking out and then the anointing of God came upon the body of Christ and now there are not just two hands and two feet there are millions of hands and millions of feet everywhere we go as the church come on we are anointed by God to be the expression of God's kingdom this is very very important because I believe we have entered into a significantly strategic season where God is speaking robustly the reason that happened then was because there was a revealing of Christ that was going to take place. And the reason it's happening now is because there's a revealing of Christ that is going to take place. I don't know how it's all unfolding or why it's all taking place, but what I do see, and, and we have the privilege of working with people internationally, talking to pastors and leaders in nations that, that face things you and I know nothing about. It's part of why I feel like the Lord has challenged me to go so deeply uh, into the pursuit of his purposes because it's taken me out of my Western world mindset when I'm dealing with pastors in Iran or, or, or India or all these other places that we might be you know, making connections, some of these leaders from China that we're hearing from. I mean, 
mean, it's amazing the things that they're facing and walking through as the church. And their prayer is not pray that the suffering will conclude. Pray the persecution will end. Their prayer, their, their request to us is pray that we will be deeper in the things of God no matter what we have to walk through. May we never give up. May we never give in. This is, this is the church. And as, we're, we're, as I'm interacting with the apostolic team that we're a part of now, as a part of the All Nations movement there in the UK, uh, one of the guys on that team, his name is Akhtar. And when I met Akhtar, it was interesting just hearing a little bit, and over the course of time I've learned his story. Akhtar was actually a Muslim, and, and he came to know Christ. And like, that's a pretty big deal, you realize? This is what you need to understand. Muslims believe that Abraham took his promised son up on a mountain and took his knife back to kill his promised son, but the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham from killing the promised child Ishmael. That's what the Muslim teaching would be. But we as Christians understand that Ishmael was not the promised child through which the legacy came, which is the, the lineage and, and expression of where Islam, you understand the, the, the big tension exists. We understand when we start to see this. But Abraham went up on the mountain, he pulled his hand back, and it was the promised child Isaac. And through Isaac then came Jacob, and Jacob, 12 tribes of Israel. But do you, do you, you might not even realize, but if you read the Bible, it actually talks about not only were there 12 tribes of Israel, but there were 12 tribes of Ishmael. I mean, this is pretty wild. And so what's happening is, is you know, Akhtar is one of those individuals that I would point to and say he's coming to an encounter with God where Jesus is showing up in a powerful and profound way, drawing his attention to him. He's abandoning a, a, a religious belief that's born from, from confusion, chaos, darkness, all kinds of different things going on there. And he's being enlightened to know the way who is Jesus Christ, the way. You just need to hear me say, in a day where people are trying to demand that I or you be politically correct, it's not politically correct to say Jesus is the way, but he is the way. There's not another way. He's the way. We need to know that Here, here's the thing people people today say oh Jesus is about world peace and harmony and he wouldn't ever say something like that to offend anybody right he they crucified him because he was about world peace and harmony no they crucified him because he was unbending when it came to truth there are some things we cannot bend on even if it's not popular and it mobilizes crowds of people to shout at us and say, crucify them, we will not bend. And so you see something is maneuvering and taking place as God is starting to show up in a profound and significant way in the world in which you and I live. And there is a phenomenal revival taking place that we know very little about in this part of the world. I want you to, to think about it. There are Muslims that are coming to Christ in great proportion in other parts of the world. What this is leading to is a great revival among the Jews. Because when you have bought into the belief of a stream of, of ideology that takes you through Abraham, Ishmael, and so forth, and then you have an encounter with God through Christ that activates and awakens and illuminates an understanding that it's actually not through Ishmael, it's through Isaac. Now I am a Christian. Now I understand the Jews that I was hating actually are the forefathers of the descendant of the belief of I now believe. And these Muslims 
Muslims are now winning the Jews to Jesus. This is crazy. God will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. Oh, hey, glad you're here. Let's talk about the five ways to get over your anger. Here are the six six steps to having all the money you want. There is almost a wrath sense within me about this type of self-serving Western world Christian ideology that is depriving us of becoming who God has called us to become. We are the sons and daughters of God and the earth. We are the prophetic company of the Lord. We are the kings and the priests and the prophets, and we need to walk in that kind of revelation, understanding, humility, and authority. Unto us this child was born. The nearness of God is always there. We must work on our awareness of the nearness of God. Everybody doing okay? It takes time. It takes time alone in prayer and in God's word to develop a tender heart with a deep awareness of God that he desires for us to possess. I'm glad you're here. But I just want you to hear me say loud and clear, going to church is not the fulfillment of your faith. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, but we shouldn't be coming together in survival mode, needing somebody to stick a bottle in our mouth and feed us just to survive over the course of the next week. You and I should be walking in great strength and life and power and authority. We show up in this house to worship. I don't, I don't listen to the songs to see, do I like the songs they're singing? I engage with the Lord my God. When I lift my hands, I'm releasing something to the atmosphere of the earth because I'm carrying something of the weight and authority of God in my life that's born from humility and a brokenness before him. I have nothing to say to you at all if I have not been in a place of prayer before I stand here and try to preach to you. If I'm not fasting and praying and pursuing God and exploring the deeper nature of Christ, then all we're doing is having a chat right now. But if the Spirit of God is at work, then something inside of you is being awake. And and Paul said, I didn't come to speak with a bunch of clever nonsense, but I came to declare in power and anointing there'd be impartation that the kingdom of God would be awakened in the people of God to become everything that he's called you to be. I have had people come to me and say, Pastor, we're leaving the church and I just want you to know why you're trying to raise up an army. Exact words, that's what they said to me. And I said, I am so sorry, but you're right. You probably should leave because I'm trying to raise up an army. (laughs) Come on, soldiers of the living God. The Bible's pretty clear. That's what he's called us in Scripture. 
I'm not trying to raise up people to offer expressions of militant proportion like the world does. That's a problem in the church. We get people so emotionally charged and so politically charged, and we're not developing spiritually. And so if you're emotionally charged and spiritual, or emotionally charged and politically charged and spiritually immature, then you're just easy prey for somebody to get all the exuberance and excitement out of you in any direction that serves their agenda. It takes time alone in prayer and in the word to develop a tender heart with a deep awareness of God that he desires for us to, use this word specific, possess. (laughs) Something happens in the human heart when we experience the awe-filled awakening of God's presence. Something happens in the human heart when we get into the presence of the Lord. But it takes time. Chuck Pierce said, the Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. The Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. Uh, I want to I just say, I, I've explained the turn the page. And this is pretty amazing. This is a great statement for us to celebrate. Are you ready for this? This is probably something we can celebrate this Wednesday night at our uh, appreciation night and our welcome to the family night for the first time in ever the history of our church, we have seen fewer people who attend the church not reading their Bible than ever before in the history of this church family. Is that cool? That's amazing. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, I know that's kind of a golf clap that we offer that, but that is really huge. Like, that's a big deal. Like, when God's family is digging into God's word, like, something inside of them starts to come alive that nobody can preach them into. And so, fewer people than ever are attending our church without actually reading their Bible. And that's a beautiful thing. But I just want to reiterate this one more time. Part of the power of turn the page is how simple it is. I can turn one page. We hear that, like, I can do that. But, but listen carefully. Because you're on this journey. I know that's, that's a, a first grade excitement. But probably a fourth or fifth grade level is where you kind of begin to digest the Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. What that means is we're not just doing a turn the page, flip the sheet so that we can get our devotion knocked out and be able to say, yeah, I do that. But we're actually learning to not just read the book. I say it often, but on a deeper level, let's try and understand it. We want to sit with the author. Take time to listen to what he's saying. You know that whole follow, favor, watch for grace, practice his presence. It happens when you're reading. Have you ever done it? You've read, and all of a sudden, like, you read something, and it's like, oh. You have an aha moment. You know what that is? That's the presence of the Lord in a moment in time where he's saying, lean into something with me. Stop trying to race through your reading in that moment in time. Pause and practice sacrificially. The presence of the Lord. Dallas Willard said, this is a lengthy statement, but it is very worth reading. If you'll just try to to hear, it's on the blog. You might want to go reflect on it because it's such a good statement. The most basic thing that we can do and the most basic thing we must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our soul. 
our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing this, we may be challenged by, I love this, by our burdensome habit of dwelling on things much less than God. Can anybody relate to that? A burdensome habit that we have of dwelling on things much less than God. These are habits that can be broken. I just say these are habits that will be broken in Jesus' mighty name. These are habits that will be broken. New grace-filled habits will replace former habits as we take intentional steps to keep God before us in our thoughts. Soon our minds constantly turn to God as the needle of a compass constantly turns to north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pulsar of our inner being. It just becomes naturally supernatural to turn to him every time a circumstance comes our way. Can you bless somebody who curses you? The answer to that is absolutely not on your own. If that which is within you is not awakened to a magnitude of that which is eternal, then you're just going to live in a constant framework of the temporal. And I'll just tell you, I've got it in me. You punch me, I will punch you back. You cut me off in traffic, I will make you suffer. If at all possible, I can make you suffer. You understand? You know what I'm talking about. Something in every one of you resonates with what I'm saying. But there's something deeper that exists within you that I'm calling to today. That says, I'll no longer live according to the system of the world because I will be awakened to the system of eternity and I will die to myself and I will live to Christ and I will allow him to come to life actually within me. He is not just with us, he is within us. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give the Lord a standing ovation as our worship team comes. Let's honor the Lord Jesus Christ today. He's awakening something within our hearts. Lord God, we are hungry to know what you desire within us. Lord, we desire to know what it is you're wanting to awaken within our hearts today. Forgive us, Lord, where we have brought this all down to oversimplified shortcuts, endorsing the undermining of the kingdom of God that is born from sacrifice. That continues to perpetuate from the sacrificial expression that the kingdom of God comes from. And we just say, the sacrifice of Jesus should not be the only sacrifice we're talking about. But learning to live our lives in a way that we're presenting ourselves before the Lord our God as living sacrifices, not conforming to the patterns of this world, but being renewed in our mind, in our thinking, that we might test and prove what the, per, uh, the perfect will of God is, Romans chapter 12. I just hear uh, the Lord just stirring a reminder that last week as we gathered, we broke shame off of people's lives. And I just say, shame off you again this week. I say it to you, shame off you. As you stand in the presence of the Lord, come boldly, 
with confidence into his presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because you've earned your way there to stand there, but because you've embraced the cross of Christ. And the question of do I have favor with God is completely answered in does Jesus have favor with the Father? Because as much favor as Jesus has with the Father, so you have with the Father because you are in Christ once you surrender your heart to who he is. And you say, I am a sinner. I need Jesus. I look to the cross of Christ. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Suddenly you are transformed into the glorious image of God in a way you never even dreamed possible. You become a new creation. That in 2 Corinthians 5 is speaking of an entirely different species than this world has ever known. That's who you are. Spiritually awakened by God. So come on, if you believe Jesus is Lord, everything that I've said in your prayer today is to honor him, to walk with him, to embrace him, not only as your Savior, but to know him as your Lord, the way you live your life, honoring him every single day that you live, then would you join me? Let's give him a hand clap of praise and declaration. Lord, you are worthy. We embrace you today. Come on, we believe in our hearts. We declare with our mouths, Jesus is Lord. In the name of Jesus. I was a little direct today, wasn't I? I'm probably going to be more and more and more in the hour that is ahead. God is calling us to a deeper place. 2023, our New Year's revelation is deeper. We are going to grow deeper in our faith, deeper in our relationship with each other, deeper in the way we walk with God, deeper in our awareness and understanding of the presence of the Lord our God. It's a good Sunday for you to be here. You know, we celebrate in this place all the time wonderful uh, addictions being broken and redemption ministry. And when the governor of the state was here uh, sitting on this front row, Governor Stitt waved and we all said, you know, welcome. And then, we, and then he joined all of us in standing for a standing ovation for Brad and Stacia, uh, who had been clean at that time, I think 12 years, clean and sober for 12 years, who lead our redemption ministry. It was a beautiful moment. Come here, Curtis. I think sometimes, well, a few of you all just come surrounded. Sometimes we need to not just say, oh, 12 years, you know, it's great. But sometimes six days is something we need to surround somebody and say. I don't know if you understand, but sometimes relapse is a part of this process of learning to get totally free in your life. And as Curtis then uh, tomorrow is stepping into uh, treatment, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, uh, calling you by your last name. Uh, but as he steps into that, uh, that treatment tomorrow, we're just agreeing some things will be broken off of his life. You start to step into a greater place of freedom. So, Father, we're declaring that we're celebrating the power of your word today. And uh, as a man... <clears throat> As a man who's walked through a drug past myself, 
I want to thank you for the freedom that you've placed in my heart for years of living clean and all Lord that you've given me in that regard I just give to him with any ability Lord that you give me as Paul laid his hands on Timothy and said there's something now in you by the impartation of the laying on of my hands Lord we surround this man of God and we say or let there be an impartation of grace and strength and anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage in Jesus' mighty name. May this next season produce a greater strength and a deeper stride as you walk this out and fulfill the call of God that is on your life in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. <laughs> I just want to tell you, God's not afraid of your mess. God's not afraid of the nonsense of your life. And you're, when you're willing to admit the mess of your life, then he turns the mess into a message because he's the Messiah. It's a beautiful reality of God. And Lord, I believe that you're here in this moment to break bondages and addictions and to help us, Lord, to live our lives in a way that is postured in a greater place of surrender and awareness to the presence of God. Would you teach us, Lord, as we grow to become the people you've designed us to be and you desire us to become. To all of us, your word says you've given us the power to become the sons and daughters of God. You've given us the power to become more of who you've designed us to be as we grow in maturity in you. And Lord, would you forgive us where we've treated this so shallow, where Christianity for us has been more about just trying to attend church when we can conveniently make it happen. Forgive us, Lord, where we've neglected the sacrificial nature of Christ in the way we worship, in the way we give in the way we love in the way we serve take us deeper Lord we pray in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus so something that we do as a church family just part of our God given Sunday morning assignment is to enter into a place of worship and just go deeper with what he's stirring in our hearts we don't ever take a long time as we conclude, but it is important that we receive what the Lord wants us to receive, and then we give something back. And it releases something that gets assigned to our lives. Typically right now, we would take time just to be quiet and listen. Um, but why don't we just take just a few moments as we worship. Our prayer team's making their way uh, right back to the back. They're available for you. There's. Um, communion station here if you just want to say today I'm celebrating the broken body and shed blood of Jesus in a brand new way that's available every week as a part of our worship uh, we don't pass buckets but you can give online or you can give in our uh, giving stations as the sacrificial expression of worship it has to be from your heart if it's going to be right so we just join me as we just press in for a few moments before we're dismissed and, and, and just sing the words that we read on the screen, but we actually allow them to become the declaration of our heart as he deepens our lives. Father, would you just take us into a deeper place of even understanding the value and the power of what it means to worship you as a corporate body in Jesus' name.